I am successfully recording yet again. Oh, are you recording? I I see the squiggles. The squ- I'm recording. The squiggles have returned. Excellent. The squiggles are here. They're back, guys. Y'all, we recorded. I don't know, not even five minutes. A couple minutes, and I was like, "Wow, my recording thing doesn't show me." The squiggles, the audio squiggles. That's the technical term for them. Very technical. There was a concerning lack of squiggles, and we're back now with squiggles. With more squiggles. Even better. Even more. Yeah, double the squiggles. Half the price. Uh, and for those that don't know what you're listening to, you're listening to the most professional podcast, the Podcasting Guild, with your host, Eric, and the man with the squiggles. Andrew on the other side. There's your your intro that we lacked on the previous attempt. Oh wow, we almost lacked it on this there we go. attempt too. I just I just started talking about squiggles. You hadn't even said what podcasts are listening to, you know. They have them on auto download, they're shuffled. They don't know. They don't know. It's okay. They're just starting to strange men talking about squiggles. Indeed. Indeed. Anyway, welcome everyone to the podcasting podcasters guild podcasting guild you still haven't got the name podcasting right. guild. i still don't know our name Eric. <laughs> oh boy well i have been out of commission for a while i'm just getting over a bug not covid at least according to the tests but yeah it's good to be back good to be back this was a great episode season two episode eight seven seven episode seven in our order it's episode seven (laughs) okay well it was a good one a race through dark places another dark themed episode title yeah oh yeah let's recall this was coming out in the heyday of the hot topic you know yeah (laughs) anti-hero sort of era (laughs) yeah i loved this episode this was a great episode we got Bester back. Bester, the return of. Bester, the very best Psycop you could ask for. I believe you had a theme song for him you were going to premiere on today's episode. Oh my god, I was going to premiere. I sang a whole theme song for him when we weren't when I wasn't recording. Uh it just it wouldn't be organic now, Eric. That was a top of the mind it's lost to the ether that's going on the podcasting guild the lost tracks we'll just never hear it well it just wasn't recorded nobody will ever just kidding it's bester the best psychop bester the best psychop that was the whole thing y'all i hope you liked it there it is andrew will be performing on broadway on thursday at 7 p.m you can see him every thursday yeah Get tickets through Ticketmaster. I'm pretty sure they're going for like twelve hundred a pop. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's quite expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that secondary market, you know. You know, Eric. <laughs> anyway, enough banter, Eric. Enough foreplay. Let's get into the episode. It was a great one. I. It opens. Is the opening scene Bester? trying to torture information out of so the opening scene so, is some poor bastard that's the second scene that's the second scene. The opening okay, scene okay. is ivanova and sheridan talking about the budget because you have to run a place like babylon 5 with an actual budget this is still a capitalist economy not like your federation 
socialist utopia where everyone doesn't have money and it's just free things for everyone. People got to make a, make a living here in Babylon 5. And they're talking about the budget and how they have to pay rent now, which is kind of funny. But that, that's that's real world, right? <laughs> what I found very extra funny is how offended uh, the commander Captain Sheridan was about this. <laughs> yeah. He he was like like on the verge of going full like <laughs> like brothers. We have nothing to lose but our chains. It's like, bro, you're the military. He's commander. calling for a revolution. <laughs> yeah, for real, <laughs> for real. Oh my god. Yeah. No, he was. He was like rent, rent. He was just going off, calling the people bean counters. Honestly, I found his attitude a bit juvenile, <laughs> and it's like, dude, people are trying to make the numbers add up for this probably very expensive endeavor, right? And you have nothing but disdain <laughs> for the bean counters, as he calls them. Bit of military elitism there is, is what I saw. Yes. It was mostly pretty inconsequential and just kind of a funny B-plot. Yeah, the the B-plot is very much the lighter side of the episode this time around. Yeah. And to be clear, I explained the captain's reaction, but essentially they were being asked to pay a small amount of rent to keep their extra large rooms. Right. Ivanova and Sheridan were. And it wasn't a lot, and Sheridan just didn't want to pay it. And, and so wasn't going to pay it. It's the principle of the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the alternative was getting a slightly smaller room. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't really that, which, you know, you would then have for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Capitalism is in Babylon 5, y'all. This ain't no, as Eric said, ain't no socialist paradise here. Yep. And it may not be that way for long if <laughs> Sheridan gets his way. Yes, very true. Oh, boy. So yeah, okay, we start on that, and then we move on to a much less lighthearted scene, which is Bester torturing yeah. some poor bastard for information, and doing, I mean, until he succeeded, he was doing a piss-poor job at it mm. for someone who is like an unstoppably powerful psychic. Yeah, has very much, uh, you know, 1984 vibes going on here with Bester interrogating this I assume is a runner of some sort for the, as we will come to know it, the Telepath Underground Railroad. Right, yes, yes. So he was a fugitive for the Telepath Underground Railroad, and Bester is interrogating and torturing him, basically, yeah. for information. And the scene it looks like they've been at it for a while. Mm-hmm. Like the dude is in this sort of metal face thing. Yeah. And was looking pretty rough. And, but again, I'm thinking like, okay, Bester, everyone talks about him like he's unstoppable. This psychic who just can't be resisted. Why is getting information so difficult for him? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he should be way better at this. You would think. But maybe it's that nursery rhyme that makes it difficult for him. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> That's true. I kind of forgot about that nursery rhyme. I didn't make a note of that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so as part of combating Bester's interrogation, really Psychor's interrogation, the Underground Railroad recites a nursery rhyme, which I found kind of 
odd how that would even work. I guess it makes it so that your mind is thinking about other things, but kind of odd, but interesting nonetheless that it kind of held him off for a little bit by saying a little nursery rhyme before he was able to get the information from him. I gotcha. I gotcha. You know, that does make sense. And it does explain the nursery rhyme. You sort of have to imagine it's some like magic psychic nonsense because normal people can also think about other things. Right. And that doesn't seem to stop psychics all that well mm. in most other situations. Yep. Very true. But anyway, yeah. So introducing our good friend Bester in a pretty sinister role as befits him. And at the very end kills this dude. But the dude's dying thought apparently was the information Bester was looking for. And do I even need to say what his dying thought was? It was Babylon 5. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Way to keep the audience in suspense there. Yeah, I'm a natural storyteller, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) And then we cut to theme. Yeah, cut to the theme music. Wow, that was all before theme music. Yep, that was a cold open. Oh, yeah, and then we also had Delenn asking Sheridan out to dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I was, I, I don't know, I wasn't there for it. I haven't really liked almost any of the romantic plots in Babylon 5, yeah. which maybe says more about me than Babylon 5. I feel like they haven't been terribly well done. Maybe I just don't like romantic plots <laughs> as much as other kinds of plots, and that's why I'm always ragging on them. And this one wasn't romantic. They didn't go to town on each other or anything. I don't think Delenn and Sheridan are an item, at least not yet. But about a third of their dialogue was them just talking about how good Delenn looks in a quote-unquote human dress that's showing off her titties. <laughs> Very <laughs> so. unusual for Mimbari to be sure to have a little black dress like that. Yeah, yeah. With, you know, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, so there was a lot of Delenn being like, am I humaning correctly? Yeah. And Sheridan be like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of fish out of water subplot there if you will with delenn trying to figure out how to be more human and as part of that going on a date in effect with sheridan and having dinner with him and talking about what they share in common maybe i'll get used to it and come around but i am not a fan of delenn with hair yeah i kind of wish she did grow wings instead (laughs) that would have been way better before we get too far away from i just want to circle back real quick when we got back from the intro uh, there's a quick aside with sheridan and dr franklin in the officer's lounge and they were just talking about the rent situation and franklin drops that he has a cot in his <laughs> quarters for quote-unquote medical purposes i just want to highlight that it's kind of odd for him to have a cot in his place for medical purposes considering that the last time he had someone in his <laughs> residence yeah. There was much head petting going on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely some medicinal purposes there. Yeah, very, very much so. Some, uh, yeah, vital injections. Yeah, no. Dr. Franklin, as always, is skirting the rules. We've seen him perform, what, half a dozen, a baker's dozen, maybe, (laughs) (laughs) procedures 
that he wasn't allowed to. We've also seen him moonlighting, you know, having a second job while he's supposed to be the head of medical lab. And now it comes out that he's <laughs> skirting some regulations to get an extra large room with an extra cot. Mm-hmm. And we've seen what he uses that cot for. Extra head petting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> extra head petting. <laughs> I know that Dr. Franklin and his forehead petting. It's like, bro, <laughs> bro. Yeah, Dr. Franklin living life on the edge, skating that line of right and wrong, living <laughs> the high life. Yep. Then our friend Bester makes his appearance on Babylon. Oh, 5. yes. And then he has a meeting with the command staff. Not including yeah. Dr. Franklin, I should note, just Garibaldi, Ivanova, and the captain. And by the way, basically everyone in this meeting, except the captain, treats Bester like garbage. Right. Garibaldi and Ivanova are both openly hostile to him and are constantly taking little digs at him. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, like I get it, they don't like him, but again, guys... Guys, you got to be professionals here. Mm -hmm. But basically, Bester tells them that there's the Underground Psychic Railroad on Babylon 5, and he needs their help to shut it down. Right. And despite all of them being, again, openly hostile towards him, he leaves the meeting being like, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to help me. (laughs) That lot is for sure on my side, (laughs) which is, again... For a famous psychic that can't be resisted or stopped, again, a a pretty questionable read Mm -hmm. on how that interaction went. Yeah, well, Garibaldi does say that he doesn't like it, but he's all about the law. He's the lawman. He is the law, as some other people might refer to it. And so, yeah, he's going to do it while he grits his teeth. Ivana was all against it, and brings up the iron side or iron heart yeah. episode. <laughs> I mean, you're correct. Garibaldi did say that, but at the end of the day, when presented spoiler alert, when presented with a convenient opportunity to not follow the law and to immediately betray Bester because it was easy and convenient, they all took that option. So I'm not uh, so convinced at Garibaldi's the law is the law. We just have to do our job attitude. You know? If he said, I am the law, would that make it better? I am the law. You know, Judge Dredd, I think, would actually sort out these psychops quite nicely. Yes. <laughs> oh, that would be a fun crossover. You got to bring back Sylvester Stallone for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> So, and then we have Bester and Winters walking through the hallway. And I don't remember what they're chatting about, but the important thing is that Bester hears someone thinking about him that he's a murderer. Right, yeah. And correctly identifies that this must be someone from the Underground Railroad thinking that. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I was right. My suspicions were confirmed. (laughs) And, you know, people usually say, I was right about theory they came up with not like information they tortured out of someone anyway all right moving (laughs) on yeah the underground railroad now knows that bester is on the station and because they're all psychor escapees they know of his reputation Mm -hmm. and so they're like well we basically have to kill him or he's going to ruin everything 
Yes, exactly. And this sees the return of one of the characters from last season, the lead telepath here is uh, the guy that informed Garibaldi of the plot against the president last season. Uh, I thought he looked familiar. Thank you. Well, you know, I like when a character isn't just coming out of the blue when they need a, where, you know, that yeah, they brought a character he's, back. he's been around the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you that feeling at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that kind of implies that the underground railroad has been going on for a while. And you hear later on that, uh, it's tied to other things as well, which we'll get to in a little bit. But after that, we go to the date scene. I wonder why we didn't see any of the railroad in the Jason Ironheart episode. Probably because they hadn't thought of it. Yet. Yeah, it was like the third or fourth episode. Yeah, yeah, early days. We go to the date scene after that with Sheridan and Delenn and talking about various things. Uh, kind of a nothing burger of a conversation really yeah it, it was kind of flirty which i guess if you're if, if you're entertained by flirty conversations it, it was probably fine but yeah i i found it pretty forgettable yeah i do want to point out fanciest restaurant babylon 5 they have paper menus i mean come on guys really come on paper menus <laughs> paper and it's not like this this fancy like stiff paper it's like floppy like you know notebook paper come on you probably don't want too many disposable things, I would think. I don't know. Or maybe is disposable better on a space station? I actually have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So kind of forgettable fancy restaurants scene with Sheridan and Delenn. Delenn's like, I'm, I'm trying to be human, but I don't know how. How to human. Teach me how to be human. <laughs> Yeah. Sheridan's like, oh, nice dress. Yeah, I'll teach you how to be human. <laughs> he didn't say it like that, but that's that was my overall impression of that scene. Yes. <laughs> I don't think he minds, which can't blame him, but Oh, and then I think on the, was it on the way back from that date that Sheridan can't get into his quarters? Yeah, on the way back from the date, he can't get into the quarters. Because they locked him out for failing to pay rent. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which is pretty brutal. I mean, things move fast on Babylon 5. In most places, well, actually, I don't know, in most, but in a lot of places, at least, uh, in the U.S., like, you have to be delinquent for months before they can take any action. And many, many more months before you're getting locked out. Mm Mm-hmm. None of that nonsense on Babylon 5. This is the hyper-capitalist Bab 5 future. <laughs> yeah, if you're a delinquent for, I don't know, what was the time frame here? Not even a Could week. Could have been more than a week. Yeah. yeah, not even a week. A few days. Must have been just for giving them lip, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just for... <laughs> the, them bean counters don't like it when you talk back Those to Those bean counters... And so then we get a really delightful scene of Ivanova, who was also locked out because Sheridan kind of roped her into his protest, yeah. sharing a bunk. Where was this? Was They were in Sheridan's office. In his office. She was sleeping on the couch and he was sleeping <laughs> in right. his office chair at the desk. That's right. And Sheridan is telling these awful dad jokes. <laughs> yeah. And Ivanova just does the best long-suffering... I can't believe I have to deal with this kind of yeah. shtick. She does 
does it absolutely to perfection. So that was a delightful little scene. I have a, I have a question for you, though, Andrew. A very important yeah, question. So in the prior scene, just before this, a very important question came up. And the question is, do you know what it's like when telepaths make love, Andrew? Oh, my God. I, I can't believe they <laughs> called that back. If you remember what happened last time. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad line. It was a bad part of the script then. And it's bad now. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Of all the lines to call back, they called back that one. I know. I know. Of all the lines to call back. I am. I'm I'm really happy we're finally getting a continuation on the Jason Ironheart mm-hmm. episode, though, because that is one of the best, one of my absolute favorites. Yeah. So nice to finally get a callback to, oh, again, one of my favorite hilarious lines. <laughs> the only gift I have to give psychic blast to the face (laughs) the only gift he has to not like his eternal love or admiration or friendship or a nugget of wisdom yeah but a psychic blast of light straight into your face yep and this came as a result of bester calling talia in the middle of the night and apparently there's no prompt on their video phone calls to let you know who's calling (laughs) she answers it with her nighty open and i'm like what are you doing talia i mean first of all why did you answer in your nighty to begin with why isn't there a message saying who's calling so you can (laughs) decide whether you want to show anything or not no caller id in the future and you know i've shown up on zoom calls with like my top button undone because i was in a hurry (laughs) but yeah to show up in your nighties and then be like, oh, it's my boss. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Talia, who's normally calling you at night that you answer in your 90s? Right. I don't know. Exactly. Maybe there's a man out there, but she hasn't been in the, in the, in the episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I think they maybe added that to make Bester seem a little leery, yeah. which it worked. He definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> yeah. And he's basically, we should get to know each other better. Yes over breakfast breakfast and very clearly under duress winters was like yes okay yeah and it, it, i guess that we get the almost the next scene is is them at breakfast right almost we went to sheridan and ivanova complaining about being locked out of their quarters and uh, okay I got there was a, a really funny cut here though because as sheridan was complaining about not one penny for tribute after all the millions being spent by the government <laughs> and then it cuts straight to the underground railroad assembling firearms i was like the messaging here is kind of you know implying that <laughs> they should start a revolution around the payment situation <laughs> yeah okay and you know again sheridan look you are the top brass here i don't know if a revolution is gonna go your way right yeah i just thought that was a funny uh, cut i'm not sure if that was intentional or not but it kind of underlined the that, whole is, that is a funny cut revolution. yeah no i uh i didn't quite catch that as clearly as you did but now that you pointed out that is a very interesting juxtaposition there yeah, yeah. and then we go from there to as you mentioned the sleeping in the office and the bad jokes from sheridan um, oh yeah no. bad jokes from sheridan yeah and then the next morning winters and bester are at breakfast and again nothing 
too important happens, except that there's an assassination attempt. Yes, a very bad one. <laughs> a very bad one. Again, you're attacking a world-famous psychic, and if your buddy could withstand his focused interrogation, you'd think these guys would at least be able to not broadcast their we're about to murder, try and murder you yeah. thoughts, which is like what Bester picked up on. <laughs> so again, you know, I, I psychic... Uh, powers in Babylon 5 do seem to be a little bit wishy-washy, a little bit whatever the plot needs them to be. Mm -hmm. Like Sometimes we're told that Bester can't be resisted and takes a whole 20 of them or whatever just to match him and and overpower him. And then also, one dude can sing nursery rhymes to himself to resist focused interrogation. At least for a time, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, at least for a time, I suppose. And while these other guys can't help broadcast their murderous intentions mm-hmm. across the room, <laughs> I don't know. It seems a bit inconsistent. Uh, agreed. Uh, to, agreed. To Andrew. But anyway, despite that complaint, I thought him detecting the thoughts of his would-be assassins and getting tipped off was actually a really great way of sort of showing showing him being psychic. Yeah. That was great. Makes makes him a sort of more fearsome opponent that he can read your mind as you're about to try and spring traps on him and stuff like that. And also, I should note that so far in the two episodes that Besser has made appearance on, whenever he shot someone, he's not missed. He's hit every target he shot so far. He's really good at shooting people. Oh, interesting. Good eye there. I hadn't necessarily clocked that. I'm sort of used to all the protagonists mostly hitting. Mm-hmm. He never misses. (laughs) But I will try to keep an eye on that. Okay. Oh, and as part of this assassination attempt, they got Winters. They got Talia. Oh, God. Oh, God. What are they going to do to her? (laughs) And when Bester goes to report this to the commander and Ivanova and Garibaldi and everyone, he's basically like, it's not a big deal. She doesn't have any information that can hurt me. He doesn't like at any point. Is he like, He's oh, the important well, we should one. rescue her? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And I, as the audience, absolutely picked up on that. And then Garibaldi, definitely. He, <laughs> Garibaldi, like, goes off on him. Yeah. But Besser takes it in stride and he's just like, whatever. Do your job. I'm, I'm the important yeah, one Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Bester, Bester was not phased. He was like, whatever, man. And go. <laughs> I killed two of them. That's a good start. Yeah. So go find them. Make the best of it. Yeah. I have other I things to Bester. do. I have to go make a phone call. <laughs> he was really good in that scene, the way he carried in confidence and stuff. It's like, yeah, it's just really good in that scene. I totally agree. I don't know. Maybe it's the maybe it's the eyeliner they put on him, but he has such this just like malevolent, I don't know, aura about him. He mm-hmm. has this sort of pleasant look on his face, but just this really like sinister gaze. Right. I don't know. He really, I, th- I think he does just an absolutely great job mm-hmm. of depicting someone who's supposed to be quietly threatening and intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. A plus. So after he briefs them, I think, is that when Sheridan meets with Franklin? That's when the Underground Railroad starts to interview Talia and start to tell her oh, their stories. Right. Starting with the uh, kind of stereotype typical native american character sadly but they they tried to give him a bit more humanity which is nice and they had some other characters telling their stories to her 
Um, yeah. And then there were some kind of darker ones where you get into the sidecore with a whole eugenics breeding program situation. And uh, yeah, yeah, kind of gets really dark there for a few minutes. It does get really dark. If you or anyone has read a book, The Fifth Season, it actually has some of those same pretty dark elements. I thought that the, the stories were great. They were basically, yeah, it was like all the horrible things Psychor is doing. Yeah, including like eugenics programs to try and get more powerful psychics. And basically an attempt to sort of convince Talia that the Psychor is evil. Mm-hmm. At one point, she's like, "What do you, what, what do you want from me? It's the only world I've known," which makes a lot of sense. And it's left a little bit ambiguous as to whether they convince her or not. Yeah, I think. Yeah, she's still kind of pushing back against it, and we're not a hundred percent sure if she's still a psycho yeah. or, or kind of what the situation is. And like a couple of the stories, she just says, "I don't believe you." you right. Know, she she just didn't buy it, or, or at least says she didn't. Although clearly she kind of did. Mm-hmm. She sort of knew they were telling the truth. But okay, and then and then we get Sheridan meeting with Franklin. There's one other scene. I really like what they did with this scene. Because what happens here is Bester goes and visits Garibaldi to talk about what kind of stuff they found out and where he thinks the Underground Rail is at. And in this scene, they start to humanize Bester. He talks about having a family, going out on Syria Plano on Mars and with his family going for picnics and stuff like that. And the reason I like this scene a lot for him is because, as I mentioned, it humanizes the antagonist. And I've read many treatises on authorship and stuff like that. A good bad guy doesn't view themselves as a bad guy. They have their own motivations they feel justified in doing what they're doing. They And that's what they're setting up Bester here for, which I think is really cool. He's doing things that we see are bad and evil, but he thinks that he's doing them for a reason, that they're necessary things to have to do to protect him and his own, which makes for a really good bad guy. And I really liked what they did with that scene there. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And it wasn't obvious to me, A, if he was like telling the whole truth. Sure. Or, you know, if his family was some sort of twisted Psychor version of a family mm-hmm. where, like, you're handed a child that the Psychor selected for you and says, here, this is your son, now go do family activities. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it could, it could still be, like, this twisted, weird version. But, yeah, I agree with that. And I will say, not all villains need to be humanized. I think there is room for, like, the committing evil and loving it sort of <laughs> i can't even think of any villains that they haven't given rationales to but what used to be the joker back before they gave <laughs> him a whole movie to explain why he does things right and disney villains and stuff like that but yeah i agree with you i thought that was a great scene i don't know i just love bester bester in general i think is great and yeah, I guess most real actual bad guys in history are, you know, just normal people. Mm-hmm. Like, occasionally you get the Stalins who leave their own kid in a prison camp because they just can't be arsed. Yeah. But most villains of history were not villains to everyone in their life. Yeah. You know, they were, and that's and that's what this scene was showing, I think, mm-hmm. trying to show. Right. Sorry. I... I went on for a long time just to say I agree with you. No, that's cool. 
And then from there, surprise, surprise, who is the contact on Babylon 5 for the Underground Railroad but Dr. Franklin? Oh, yeah. Dr. Franklin has got his fingers in some more cookie jars. So this is another cool thing they did here is that they have two good guys who have a conflict with each other. They have the captain who, if we're going by D&D here, would be the lawful good character. And then you have Dr. Franklin would be chaotic good. He's like, screw the law. We're going to do what's right because it's right. And, you know, the captain's like, but we got to follow the law. And, you know, so so another good storytelling thing they did here was having the good guys having a conflict with each other and kind of how how they sort that out while addressing the antagonist at the same time. I agree with that. I will point out that they've had this. Yeah. Franklin is always the one that has this particular <laughs> right. conflict. Right. With, He's with definitely chaotic good. And this time, instead of the captain forbidding him or trying to convince him not to do the chaotic good thing, he's already neck deep in it. Right. He, he's already the leader of the Underground Railroad. The ship has sailed. <laughs> And it's, you know, it's over the horizon. Yep. But anyway, we don't learn that in this conversation. But Franklin does say, oh, uh, you know, he he doesn't, he, he wants you to come alone or something yeah. like that. And I don't know, I remember thinking, oh, it's Franklin. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's obvious to me from context clues that Franklin is the leader. And Sheridan, of course, was completely <laughs> oblivious. Didn't pick up on any of that. Yeah. Okay, so we got... I think we go and find Winters with the Underground Railroad, right? Yep. Uh, Sheridan goes to where Franklin told him to meet the guy. Franklin and Franklin shows up. Shows up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Sheridan has this adorable, hey, he said he wanted to meet me alone. What would he say if you're here? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Sheridan. Oh, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> You 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 do try your best, Pat Pat Pat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm reminded of the scene where the vice president says something super suspicious and you and we get a whole moment of him stroking his chin looking suspicious and then later being completely blindsided that the thing the vice president said may have been not the whole truth. Right, yeah. And it's like, yeah, dude. Yeah, dude, you got to pick up on this stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Sheridan meets Franklin, who reveals himself to be the leader of the Underground Railroad. And out of the shadows comes all the other members of the railroad who are telling Talia their stories. And then Bester shows up after, you know, not not right away. There's some dialogue, but it's not important. Uh, (laughs) And Bester shows up. And everyone holds hands and sing Kumbaya basically (laughs) yeah almost literally yeah everyone clasps hands and we get a a great scene i thought this was really really well done do you think that they actually killed them the first time around oh my god i was like talia is a much more interesting character than i have been giving her credit for (laughs) i was actually really proud of the show for not having talia flip after one afternoon of here's all the bad things <laughs> your your uh, current worldview has done to us, yeah. but but the psych out made perfect sense in the context of the plot and what was happening in the context of the lore, yeah, 
definitely makes sense. Exactly, exactly. And in so many other situations, this kind of fake out where it was all in a character's head just feels like a slap to the face. In this, it worked. I thought it was really effective. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought it worked really well. And it actually struck me as a really good plan. If you can do that as a psychic, which again, what can you do as a psychic? Well, whatever the plot needs to let you do. But with that in mind, I thought it was a good plan. I guess the alternative would be to kill him, which again, that just draws more attention. Exactly, exactly. So making him think that he solved the problem actually i thought was a very effective way to diffuse the situation Mm. while allowing my admittedly favorite recurring guest character to do some more recurring (laughs) exactly yeah and again i think we've talked around what happened but basically bester confronts the group and talia at first is like with all our powers together we can defeat you (laughs) and then they try and then someone's it's not working someone's fighting us and then tali's like now and then she and bester together shoot all of them right and it is a jaw-dropping scene because it is such a u-turn such a hard emergency break from where (laughs) you thought everything was heading and yet it was plausible enough that my initial thought wasn't, oh, this is just a simulation, a psychic simulation they're putting in his head. Yeah, because you've seen Talia resisting the anti psychor stuff in the previous episodes. That, totally. that episode, just one episode ago, where she didn't give all the evidence to the captain about what happened to that assassin yes. guy. Perfect example. She she is constantly defending the institute or the psychor verbally defending them Mm -hmm. yeah exactly exactly and so it would have been perfectly in character and so like if she backs the psychor when people are talking about how they wipe their mother's brain why wouldn't she also back them when people are taking up arms right so i thought it was great and then when there was the psych and there was the fake out i was like oh actually that's still great (laughs) because that's a really clever idea and it still makes perfect sense yeah So yeah, I think there's a lot of risk of making your audience feel cheated when you pull something like that, Mm -hmm. but I thought it worked very well in this episode. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw this episode back in the 90s, I was definitely convinced that Talia had turned, that she was still with Psychor, and then like, oh, psych, that's not what happened. She's actually (laughs) changing her mind now after repeatedly being beat up with Psychor is the bad guy. Man, that would have been crazy, though. What if she just straight up murdered a room full of people mm-hmm. who spent spent hours telling them about their tra- telling her about their trauma? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been so cold. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. And then basically, after all that happens, and Bester is like, "Hey, you should get out of here. We don't want to answer any questions," and runs off. Garibaldi and Sheridan are like, "What? What? Uh, what just happened?" <laughs> <laughs> and Holly's like, why don't you tell me what you saw happen? Which was kind of ham-fisted, but fine. And they're like... No, her uh, response was, do you know what it's like to make love to a telepath, Captain? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. She should uh, get together with Jakar and they can make <laughs> super uncomfortable statements about intimate acts yes. uh, in space at each other i don't know man 
<laughs> maybe the writers just wanted it to be an adult show, so they want to put, I don't know, sexual chit chat in it, but it's all all of it just makes me cringe. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the censors were a lot more strict back in the nineties. Yeah, I suppose they were. Then Winters tells Sheridan, Okay, you're not a psychic who's trained to resist Bester, so maybe just avoid him for the right. rest of the trip. Yeah. Which, again, I thought was a good call-out, because they could have also just had Sheridan not run into him without that line. Mm-hmm. But it was something that, because they thought of it, made it seem more realistic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then Bester is escorted off the ship by Winters. Yep. And you can see that he's suspicious about something, but they can't figure out what's oh, going yeah. on. And actually, I love that ambiguity at the end where he sort of looks at her and stares at her. And you could you sort of get the sense that he's scanning her. Trying to, and yeah. And then walks away. And at least to my mind, it, it was not clear. Did he find something or does he suspect mm-hmm. something? Probably not because they kept hinting that Jason guy who turned into a god gave her like mind reading blocking superpowers yeah yeah but if bester had detected something would he just play it cool mm-hmm. we don't know and, you know not not show his hand you know probably is talia a super villain now or a super human who knows <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know you know you take one psychic light blast to the face from <laughs> you know your former lover turned god and uh yeah yeah it really it really raises more questions than it answers frankly <laughs> as it does when that happens yeah and then we end with a fun little scene of ivanova and winters having a chat and winters basically saying hey you were right the psychor sucks mm-hmm. which is nice you know for them to finally get on the same page about yep. that also i should note Ivanova answering door in her nighty as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, super. Yeah. Keeping it super cash <laughs> on Bab Five, super cash. Like answering at doors, videos in your nighty. It's like the dorms. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if people on Bab Five get ringworm in the showers. <laughs> I love this episode. I but you know, Bester one of my favorites and i thought he was great and i thought i loved everything about it i thought the idea of a psychor underground railroad was great yeah i haven't been very entertained by delenn lately Mm -hmm. i have to say ever since that episode where she goes home or you know goes back to the gray council and resigns yeah which i thought was kind of a lame delenn episode i i have not been loving the delen screen time so hopefully that changes yeah to be sure the ambassadors haven't had a lot of screen time so far this season like we haven't seen jakar it's true you're right all that much and of course kosh isn't out and about town as much as he was at the end of last season we've barely seen any kosh haven't we yeah yeah except for that reference to telepath making love so there's that. <laughs> that's that's like a huge meme on the Babylon Five internet verse right now. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. They're, they're like I, I mean, so I many iterations that. of it. I've sent you a couple. <laughs> I There's so many different <laughs> well, variations of it. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, that's the. I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. It's it's not a good line. 
I'm not going to lie at all. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, I think we know what you thought of the episode, but who was your favorite yeah. character this episode? I mean, let's let's go Bester. Best, Bester. Bester all the way. I thought Bester I crushed Bester. it. I thought he was great. Yeah. I thought he was great. And he did a great job of sort of absorbing all the energy that the rest of the cast gives off. Garibaldi, especially, and Ivanova have this sort of goofy slash sarcastic energy. Mm. And it can be hard, I think, to be villainous when you're getting those lines bounced off you. But he did a great job. Yeah. Amazing job. Of having these sort of yeah sarcastic and sassy lines thrown at him. And he was just like, well, I killed two of them. So do your job, you know, just yeah. like Jesus. Yeah, I thought he was great. So yeah, absolutely Bester. He's very much a charismatic antagonist. Yeah, he is. He is. He's a great antagonist. Don't want to call him villain necessarily because he's, don't know if he's a villain, but. You know that he's a villain? I mean, the episode did open with him torturing. True. Someone. True. That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of a kick the dog scene, don't you think? Yeah. But he has a family, so there's that. He has a family, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yep. Okay. Well, before we wrap up today's episode, let's have a quick aside to Science Corner. <laughs> I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. Space! And on today's episode of Science Corner, we have news from space. Mr. James Webb, the telescope, has found an Earth-sized planet. The first Earth-sized planet that this particular telescope has found. Just a mere 40-some-odd light years away. So in our galactic neighborhood. Yeah, (laughs) a mere 40 light years away. Just down the street. From us. Just down the street. Yeah, discovered just a couple days ago, I think on the 11th, or announced at least, that discovered an Earth-sized planet, roughly 99% the size of Earth. Oh, that's pretty That's pretty yeah. exciting. Well, very cool. I hadn't heard that. That's neat. We, I know we found a lot of Earth-like planets. Mm-hmm. They've typically been larger, like the larger variety, because you know, that's, that's what the telescopes were able to find at the time. Right, yeah. That's <laughs> there's a selection bias there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's very neat. Very yeah. neat. Forty light years away is still quite a ways. That's you know. Only a hop, <laughs> skip and jump away. Hop, skip and jump. Yeah, it's uh, slightly warmer than Earth. They say a couple hundred degrees warmer than your normal tropical Earth day. So you might want to bring some sunscreen if you show up there. Okay, okay. So probably not too much like liquid water on the surface, yeah. but they're speculating that it's probably like a Venus-like planet with runaway greenhouse effect going on there with mm-hmm. uh, high amounts of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. That's what they hypothesize, at least. But still more analysis to be done. But it's cool that we're discovering Earth-like planets in yeah, that is very cool. our nearby galactic neighborhood. So very cool. Yeah, most stars, when we really look for them, we do see planets. Yep. 
But again, most of them are like big Jupiter, Saturn-sized planets, huge right. gas giants. Right. And again, it's probably a detection thing. It's like those are the easy ones to see. So finding small rocky planets like the Earth or, mm-hmm. Venus or Mars is hard, but also exciting because that's where we... Well, I don't know. You know, we think life is on them because life is on this one, but could be life on moons too. And we, we can't really detect moons in other stars Much harder yet. to do so, yeah. They're too small, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> cool stuff. I love all that. Thanks for sharing, Eric. Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. didn't know that James Webb found any planets yet. Maybe NASA should sponsor us for promoting James Webb and all the <laughs> Artemis missions and stuff. Man, if people start sponsoring us, there's going to be an expectation of quality, and that's just that's just not how we roll. Well, hey, pretty soon you're going to be a rocket engineer there with your Kerbal experience, right? So you're going to be able to build rockets. Oh my god, Kerbal Space Program, yeah. I'm a mere decade behind the curve here, but I finally started playing Kerbal Space Program, and it's great. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's, it's super hard. <laughs> building your own rocket ships is surprisingly not an easy thing to do <laughs> yeah yeah even i mean this game doesn't have quite as ruthless uh, aerodynamics as real life but it, it's still pretty unforgiving yeah <laughs> yeah good times all right uh, well cool thanks for the science corner eric yeah and thank you dear listeners for tuning into today's episode We'll be wrapping up here. Just a quick production note for our next episode of the Podcasting Guild. We will be taking a look at Soulmates, episode eight of season two of Babylon 5. All right. About shoe cobblers. Yeah. Shoemakers. Exactly. Yeah. A romantic escapade of shoe cobblers. A rom-com yes exactly you'll enjoy it awesome. you love rom-coms don't you andrew can't can't wait to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> all right well well anything else with that yes yes eric okay. there's something else what is there good eating to you and a good eating to you too <laughs> all right okay all right bye y'all <laughs>